Today's podcast sponsor is Hubert Engineered Woods. And I want to talk to you about zip sheathing and why we use zip sheathing. I know you've heard me talk about it on the podcast before, but I thought let's just lay it out in the simplest of forms. Number one, when I install it properly, I tape the seams, I liquid flash the seams, I manage for water with my windows, I do, I, I use their products, I don't have to worry about water. There are times when we install drywall inside of a house and we don't have cladding on the outside because I know Zip System is going to be waterproof. So that's number one. Number two, I can manage for air. So using Zip System sheathing on the walls, my like last five houses we built were all below passive house levels of air leakage. They were all below that 0.6 ACH 50. And we're not putting that much effort into air sealing. We're just making sure that we tape well, which we manage for water, we manage for air. And the last five houses that I built all had zip R because that continuous insulation that comes adhered to the back of my zip sheathing that I'm already putting up and installing, now I have continuous R value that I get the whole R6 or the R9 or R12, whatever it is, I don't see building any other way. It works for us. It can work for you. Make sure you go to huberwood.com and check them out. And Huber, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, Unbuilded Podcast. Steve Basic, Jake Bruton, and Peter Yost live from the Unbuilded Studios here, bringing you our latest episode. Today, why am I so excited? Because we're talking about the word affordable. Right? It gets tossed around in our industry all the time. How do we make buildings more affordable? We need to come up with solutions for affordable housing. How much does that cost? Wow, that isn't affordable. We hear all these comments all the time. And today, the three of us are going to sort it all out. We're bringing it down. And by the end of this podcast, you will have it all figured out. I'm glad I'm here. That was uh, quite the boast. I hope that we can help people figure it out. Well, you guys are partners, so I only have 33% of the loss. <laughs> Andy's, already oh done, Andy's already done 90% of his talking. <laughs> set the expectations here and then slide right into the... <laughs> no, so it's true. So the question is affordable, right? Yeah. So the first question is, what does affordable mean? And, and we know what the word affordable means, but does it mean... Affordable to build the first time, affordable to operate, affordable to buy, affordable to maintain, affordable to maintain, because all of these are huge question marks or, or huge relationships to the idea of is that affordable? And you know, one of the one of the things that comes to mind that always sticks in me is you know, we, we were at a meeting one time with um, Joe Stieberick at Building Science Corporation. We were doing an affordable housing demonstration project out in Colorado. And Joe brought up the idea of, you know, we're going to put ducted air systems in and, you know, put the heating and AC would be air. And everybody's like, well, wait a minute. This is supposed to be affordable housing. We can't add AC we to the We can't add bill. air conditioning. That's a luxury. And Joe says, well, no. It's part of the affordable housing. And they said, no, we, we don't put AC units in that are AC ducted systems. He goes, okay, so let me get this straight. We're going to put a ducted system in or we're going to put a heating system in. And then you're going to have everybody go and buy window shakers, which are far less efficient, 
far more costly to operate, and they're going to get exchanged every five or seven years. Mm-hmm. And you deem that as an affordable approach to the housing, as opposed to just giving them a very efficient AC system that's contained within the uh, building envelope and conditioned space. And Joe was spot on, and they totally missed the boat mm-hmm. on what affordable was. Yeah. And so you're, you're bringing up the idea that affordable doesn't mean one thing. Because if we were just talking about affordable to build, it would be two by four walls with the fiberglass bat insulation, vinyl siding, no weather resistant barrier. Like it would be bare bottom, early 90s track house. Well, let me cut we're to just the talking chase about for you. affordable to build. Let me cut to the chase for you. I'm just going to redefine for affordable in that per- perception. Okay. Right. What's the cheapest, crappiest house I can build? Right? Yeah. Because that's what you're asking. Yep. What's the cheapest, crappiest house I can build that meets code and stands up for at least the next five years? But yet, if we say affordable to operate, affordable to live in, condition, heat, cool, those sorts of things, we're talking about beyond passive house. That's not affordable to build for the masses. Well, I guess it depends on what, what you're referencing when you say... What is that? What's the level of affordability, right? So, if a if a if a average house, code built house, or crappy house costs five hundred dollars a year to uh, heat and cool, if I cut that number to three hundred, is it more affordable, right? Because that two hundred dollars, I can then translate into my monthly payment, your mortgage, and I can make it more affordable to buy. Right. So I didn't really I made it more affordable to maintain and operate, but I took that money and also made it more affordable to buy. So I'm killing two birds with one stone by building a better house. Right. And and the other thing that always comes to mind when you talk about that, the, the crappiest house to build, if you think it costs a lot of money the first time, imagine what it costs to fix those problems and the second time. Because it's coming from a a building investigative world, there's probably no solution the second time around that is cheaper than the initial solution to do it right. When we talk about affordable housing, there's also this issue of, I guess, sort of the boundary (coughs) conditions of the problem. Like, are we talking about manufactured housing? You know, does that sort of equal affordable housing? Because that's a very different category of 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 structure are we talking about affordable multifamily structures or affordable single family detached um if you change so building those, type definitely changes into how much do i have to pay for this and what do i get what's my return on that investment i was listening to a piece on the radio the other day about how for a lot of mobile home parks um th- what's happening is the people who own the land are being bought up by large corporations. And the first thing they do is raise the rent on the land. And so it's not the housing that's not affordable anymore. It's the rent they're paying for the location of the building. Exactly. And they can't afford to move because taking a mobile home and moving it to a different location is a really big one-time expense. So they're kind of caught, right? They're they're in the most affordable housing right. they can find. I can pay the extra $25 a month or I can pay the 5000 to move it, which they don't, I don't have. And, in, and some in the article, there are a whole bunch of people. We don't have either. 
We, we can't afford the increase in the land rent, and we also can't afford to move the unit. Right. Um, and this is a big issue for HUD, Housing, Urban, and Development, because a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the loans that went out as part of the whole, you know, the what's the name of the big package for EIDL uh, or the, the COVID, the, the that COVID relief. Yeah. Um, a lot of the uh, renter relief, you know, it, 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 that that money actually went to some major sort of banking corporations as opposed to going to huge conglomerates. Of yeah. Rental and there was there was a part of the law that made it difficult to get that money through to the actual people who are owning the manufactured housing. But anyway, it, it, we often have a whole bunch of different flavors of affordable when we're talking about different types of housing as well. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly initial cost is it's the first hurdle that you come across. So obviously it's the one that's talked about the most. Um, it's probably the biggest one of it too, right? Because nothing probably exceeds the cost of the house. After you get over that hurdle, right? Maintenance and all of that. Yeah, they they play a role in it, but the initial cost is... It takes the, a long time to get to $500,000 worth of electricity, water, and maintenance. And repainting the house and yeah, sure. all that good stuff. So, but, but the idea of what makes a house affordable, is that a code-built house... Is it something that's, you know, a pretty good house, something with some elevated standards? Um, I mean, for me personally, I don't think a code-built house is necessarily an acceptable reference point. I mean, it's it's the lead, it's the bottom of the barrel. So you can say what you want, like, oh, there's a lot of these houses. We can build it for X amount of dollars a square foot. But you're really saying... I build the least acceptable option. One of the probably strongest building performance-based conferences or events for many, many years was affordable comfort, right? So that was the connection between, well, when we talk about building a house that delivers, you know, essential shelter, are we talking about a house that, you know, uh, includes a long-term investment in indoor air quality, you know, thermal comfort. Um, there's a really cool program in Vermont where they're linking uh, increases in building performance with reduced trips to the emergency room for things as simple as asthma attacks. And sort of if you look at the overall costs of lower performing housing, one of the most expensive elements of living is dealing with health care. And so and the toxicity of cheap materials. Right. So so they're saying if we draw the box a bit bigger to include, you know, uh, affordable health care, a large part of that could be, well, if you improve the performance of the buildings and significantly reduce, improve the indoor air quality, look at what you're doing for the uh, cost of affordable health care. And that probably even extends what? into if you make. <laughs> Better choices on building materials, you probably don't have to clean them with as harsh of cleaners, which also relate to the oh, toxicity and health. The other yes. fascinating thing about this program is that they went and looked at trips to the emergency room, particularly for elderly. And one of the most uh, common trips to the emergency room in elderly, affordable 
housing situations is tripping hazards. So when the home auditor goes in... I'm so happy you're talking about building a single-story house. <laughs> I, was, I was right in the middle of the story, I'm Jake. Sorry. And you know what happens with old people if you they interrupt them. Track. They lose track of what you were talking, talking about. about what people tripping yesterday? <laughs> I think you were talking about LSD and, Rose, and old people tripping. Rose. Oh, no, no, well, no. How does that joke go, Rose? Yeah, that's my favorite joke that you hate. <laughs> what I'm saying is that when now when they send in the auditors for energy performance, they have a short list of tripping hazards they look for. And all it's saying is you can get that person into the house and you're trying to improve their overall affordable profile. Well, with elderly, a lot of it is eliminate the tripping hazards because that's why they end up in the emergency room. Who knew that you could connect affordable lower hazards. doors and tripping hazards? I trip over my blower door all the time. <laughs> all right. So... Trying to Am I is it, is it, you're derailing. So are we getting to a point but, where we say it's a balancing act? I think it's a balancing act, but I think, you know, the so the code being the, the least acceptable, right? Does that mean the code should increase in what we do? Probably. I think the European codes are probably far more harsher. Um, not har- harsher is probably not a good stringent. word. Stringent. More stringent, right? Mm-hmm. I think, isn't it Belgium or somebody that has passive house as their building code or we're working towards that? Mm. And I don't think we need to go there, but I think any house that we build today that, say, has an air change of 5.0 or higher is criminal activity at this point. With the amount of information and materials and stuff we have available, we shouldn't do that. And the fact that we ask people yeah. to measure and they throw up in arms about, oh, what do you mean a measure and I got to do a blower door on this? Yeah, well, we should understand, trust I think, but verify. a minimum, trust but verify. And we should have that minimum of what we know. And to me, yeah, that's affordable. Getting it down into, I mean, 5.0, I think, is reasonable. I'm being extremely reasonable, but I think that number should really be like 3.0. Right. And and that we should have that number there. To me, now we're starting to talk affordable. Right. Because and when you say five or three, you mean air changes per hour, 50 pascals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The blower door uh, metric. Exactly. Um, but I think that's that's just one of those things. Right. And it's I mean, do have do, have, have been doing this for as long as I have. I don't see a huge economic increase to ensure that we get below five or even three in building the house. I don't see that. I think that's something that is pretty easily done. Bringing all the mechanicals inside the condition space, Yeah. right? So that if there are losses, at least the losses are to the favor of the building. I had a conversation with a builder yesterday. He texted me pictures of some ductwork that they spray foamed. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, it's open cell phone. First of all, it's not closed cell. If you really want to be great at this, use the closed cell. Uh, but if you really want to be really amazing about stopping that leakage and keeping it inside the envelope, why don't we just not put it in the attic? <laughs> right. Or he's, he's like, the well, attic around here. Yeah. He's like, well, we thought about that. Well, you didn't think long didn't enough. Spend enough time on it enough. then, because I haven't right. built anything since you know 2015. Yeah, but we toured that one house. Remember the house in Houston? It was a new house. It was a builder, and his stuff was out in the front attic of a cape, and the ductwork ran down 
the outside of that cage. It started inside the house, ran outside the house, the whole length of this. And that was facing south. So it was like, if you could think of a better way to solar heat your air conditioning ducts, I don't know what it would be. I mean, I I jokingly made the joke, you're better off if you just ran it outside the building up and across the top of the roof. It probably would have been cooler. Because when it's 100 degrees outside, it's 150 in that attic Mm -hmm. in Houston. So you would have been better if you just ran it outside. But these are the dumb things that we do when we sit here and we we contemplate. I mean, for as long as, and it's probably three times as long for you, but as long as I can remember, we've always talked about how do we get afford. My first week at Building Science Corporation, I'm sure there were conversations that I heard on the phone about affordable housing mm-hmm. and how do we get there. And it seems to be a perpetual conversation that it's a carrot in front of the horse. Mm-hmm. And we just keep going down the road, but we never get the carrot and we never get there, right? And I don't know if we can get there. Maybe it is a carrot in front of the horse on an endless road. Well, I think the more that we connect various aspects of what housing provide, you know, shelter, improved health conditions, um, taking operating costs and factoring them into first cost, you know, all these things are going to help with and I think part of it is is the people that are willing to design and build the crappy stuff. Maybe you need to turn the corner a little and elevate your line in the sand, if you will, mm-hmm. and not be willing to just do it or design the house and then have a, have the builder say, or you do whatever you want, and then the builder builds to the least common denominator possible. And then we end up with a house that gets challenge. But the but the interesting thing for me is when when we did building investigations at Building Science, like most of the building investigations that I remember, they weren't on like habitat houses, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking like go to Chicago, $10 million glass house that has water management problems and comfort problems. And that house is clearly not affordable. Right. But it had these Neither are the issues durability problems and such that people just kind of ignored. And it's, it's it, I think at some point, this the idea of being affordable needs to translate somehow to the consumer to understand what is a better decision that they can then force the designer and builder to move in that direction so that the industry does change by those that hold the wallet or the checkbook, however you want to look at it. it, it you know, we often draw, try to draw parallels with the auto industry. But you, if you think about the performance of affordable, you know, cars and improvements in energy, energy standards, you know, uh, mileage per gallon, but just safety standards, too. I mean, you know, we we seem to be fine with raising those standards for uh, a different type of technology, and here we have a product that lasts way longer than any vehicle. It's the biggest investment any of us yeah. will ever make in our lives. So, if we're ever looking for a place to make this work, it would be with buildings. Yeah, and for some reason, we choose not to, or it's always on somebody else's shoulders. Then, 
your shoulders. Like the homeowner says, oh, I'll just rely on the architect or the designer to figure that out. The architect or designer says, oh, I'll rely on the builder to figure that out. The builder says, well, I'll just use these materials because the manufacturer's got it figured out and the building inspector's happy. So we must have done it. And we're kind of there. That's how not, it goes. But it's not truly affordable. And, and the perception of what is affordable, right? Is, is a huge one because people always say when I, when I show a project or we post something, well, how much was that a square foot? Yeah. Where is your baseline coming from? Where is that founded? Yeah. Right. Is it $200 a square foot? Is it 150? Oh, out here in, you know, Utah, we build for like $150 a square foot. Well, but what does that get me? That, that is that that crappiest code approved? structure that you're talking yeah. there? Are you doing a high performance home or that are, has low energy you, bills? Yeah. Are you super doing durable? something that is elevated? Do you do a blower door test and verify it with that number? Right? Because if you don't, then I don't quite think that that's necessarily where you need to be, should be, and hopefully not where you want to be. And and it what is interesting, thanks to you know people like Building Science Corporation, um, getting that message out, the latest code revisions have really um, addressed some building science issues. Mm-hmm. So they're regurgitating that information that we've gotten and translating it into, it's kind of like you get a hurricane, you go, you look at the building, how did it fall apart? You go back and say, from now on, we have to build buildings like this. Well, we're getting this information and we know buildings have been built crappy. And so how do we improve the code to move away from that and in in a better direction? And for the first time in the last couple revisions, I think the code is still, they need to do more with it, but I think they've done quite a bit as far as understanding how, how that, interacts the building science and this idea of affordable and comfortable and healthy. I mean, does, does affordable just mean cost or does it mean like you were trying to point out healthier environments, more comfortable environments. And I don't think our listeners are going to be surprised to hear that. We, we think that if you can't connect building performance to affordability, then you've totally missed the boat. Yep. But I, but we're not talking about boats. We're talking about houses. I got a little Wait, confused. I got there. confused too. I really want to talk about houseboats, but I, you know, that's really going a little too far. This ship is sinking. <laughs> You're the host in this home. <laughs> no, so, but, but when it comes to affordable, I think I, I don't know if we ever get there because I think it's that. I literally do think it's this carrot in front of the horse on an endless road. Probably not that, in our careers. That we're trotting down the road and we're just, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion on what they think affordable is because it really isn't clearly defined. And there's so many aspects of it that it's either it's easy. It's real easy to become the kind of dominant um, uh inquisitor or dominant like well you should really do this and why aren't you doing that and and it's real easy to be the person that just cops out and says well the code says i only have to do this Mm. right but the reality is is a simple thing like air tightness if you're if you're building the simplest of houses even affordable ones and you're 
insulating your attic with cellulose, the cost to go from R50 to R70 is negligible. is negligible. The truck's already there. It's already loaded. It's a couple more bags of cellulose and another two hours of the guys there to make that decision. That's a really cheap one. And it's just, you know, part of it too is it's, it's business as usual and we don't take the time to consciously challenge what we're doing. Well, you've heard me say this before, but that 50 to 70, the R value in the attic, that's not going to meet, meet a payback, right? And so if you always try to have the operational savings justify the long-term investment in the value of the building, no, you get your money back when you sell that building for a higher price because it's higher performance. Don't put all the burden of that. Yeah, not everything's return on investment in a you, build you can't, form. We don't do that with anything else about the way buildings work. The only thing we apply this payback standard to is energy improvements. Even though in a long-term good, like a yeah. building, the return comes when you sell it. So yeah. it's not just payback of yeah, operations. People are exotic countertops. They don't say, what's well, my return on investment for those countertops? No, I want that. So why shouldn't you want better air quality? And and they will get the return on the investment if they sell it. I mean, if those beautiful countertops are still there, that certainly would be part of the buying price or selling countertops. And so, yeah, I'm going to close it out, but I'm going to close it out kind of coming around the backside at you. For 30 years, I've been doing this. And what I have personally found is that I have almost every client is willing to spend at least a little bit more money when they're educated and understanding what I'm asking them to do. Fair. Right? So I think part of this being affordable is that for those that know need to share it with those that don't know. And we need to lift all the boats. I like that you said there's a bit of a stick which is raising the codes. And the carrot is to educate so that people understand they're getting more value. So there you go. Now you know everything. See, we did it. I think we were successful. Anyways, Steve Basic, Unbuilded Podcast. Good friends, Jake and Pete. We're closing it out live from the Unbuilded Studios. Until next time, that was all about affordable. Affordable.